This is the uh, this is the setup, man. Yeah, I love I've it. I've got it all all here. Wow, look at that. I know. Uh, man, this continues podcast. Colby Kennedy, Hello. welcome to the pod, buddy. Oh yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, well, we I'm glad I could finally get you on this thing. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, this is my, I think my second podcast I've ever done. It's a lot of fun, dude. Yeah, it's a good time. What? Who is the other? Who is the first one? Um, another Brendan. It was. <laughs> was it Brendan uh, Gay? No, it was Brendan Fraser. Right after he did the Dazzles, and um, no, really I, the height of Fraser's career. It, it was. He it was He was at peak Fraser. <laughs> yeah, it was peak Fraser at the time. Uh, no, it was Brendan Gay. Yeah, that was years ago, man. Back when. Yeah, that was the Brendan and Bre- Brendan being Brendan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was he, he we like Pilsen. Yeah, we like merge. I did that. So I went to that same. That was my first podcast that I ever did either. I think really? was doing Brendan Gay's podcast, and uh, you I was got inspired. I told him I was like, "It's Brendan and Brendan being Brendans." Like <laughs> we just it was so, it was so, it was so gay. And I say that <laughs> I say that it was gay because we started making out with each other and. <laughs> You had That's sex great. on his podcast, actually. It was yeah, great. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, very erotic. Uh, it was. It was like having sex with myself because we had the same name <laughs> yes. and everything. Plus, sure I'm half black. He's half black. Yeah. We do- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like Can it. I tell you something funny? His um, versus everything I just said, uh, which is not funny, I um, – I, I, he, he's, you know, he went around the country for like a year. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was trying to stay in Detroit for a week. And my family's so fucking cool that they came out here to visit. And I told them on Saturday that I was like, is it possible that my friend Brendan can come out and stay with you guys Monday through Friday in Detroit? And my parents were like, okay. And they just <laughs> let him stay in their little two bedroom apartment for the whole week. And they loved him. They thought he was great. They like he's. They were like so happy to have him around. Not and, like, surprising at all, though. It's Brendan Gay. He's like a very yeah, well-adjusted, happy, jolly yeah. comic. Which super, is, you know, like super nice like, dude. Yeah, yeah, Hold on. yeah. Pull that microphone a little bit closer, man, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There so, we go. Uh, now we got it. There we go. Oh god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was my. But we've been. Tr- I've been trying to get you out on this thing for a while because yeah, yeah. you you like disappeared for a while. You were. Well, I, yeah. You, so when I first started doing comedy in Chicago. You were like one of the guys who, around that time, like like had all we had all kind of entered the pipeline together or something, yeah. and like different had different things going on. You were super funny. Oh, uh, had 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 gotten how long had you been married at that point? Man, I got married like August first, twenty fifteen. That was when like the ceremony was, but I'd been married since like. I think like mid July, like legally. Yeah. Because my wife is from Japan, so I had to bring her over, and she got here like mid May 2015. Yeah. So it was like a whole thing, but yeah, yeah, like, but yeah, like I had done comedy in L.A. for like a year and a half, and then came to Chicago, and then in 2015, and then started hitting the scene again in like probably that summer. Or yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is right when I moved here. Oh really? Yeah, because I had been doing comedy for a while. Right. I won't. I won't go through in Michigan. But. Well, I did in a bunch of different places, but Ooh. in in Michigan and in Colorado and France a little bit. Oh, I remember you told me that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then like I finally moved to Chicago, and it was like it's kind of almost like starting over. Like, and people in Chicago don't give yeah. a shit what you did before you got yeah, here, yeah. and it almost feels like a lot of your experience almost doesn't even really transfer. Like for some reason. Yeah, I mean a little bit. Yeah, that makes that makes sense a little bit. I mean, anytime you move to a new scene, it's like okay, you got to prove yourself again. You know. Like, yeah. And that first couple of times you're up on stage in front of people. They're like, listen, like, here's a new guy. What's he got? Is, this What's guy, a, is he going to do guy, it? Is this guy good? What's he going to do? What's he got? Is this guy, you know, what, like, what, what level is he at? That kind of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Yeah, but it was kind of like um, you were one of those guys around that time with that crew of people. There was like a whole bunch of, you know, a bunch of people who were so a lot of which were still doing stuff, still right. doing shit, still working on projects and stuff. But it was just funny, and and you are. But it was funny because it was like you were doing comedy a lot, and then it was like you started doing sketch stuff, yeah, and like improv stuff. And then, like you were, like you were saying a little bit ago, you were off social media. But then, suddenly, I saw you at the at the, um, you know, Finley Dunn's. Yes. This week, and you had like all this equipment. You're talking to Jarrell, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm shooting this thing." It had like a camera and all this shit, and you're like, man, "I'm working on this yeah. documentary." And I was like, "Oh man, I gotta get Colby on this podcast." <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, dude. I'm glad we ran into the fortuitous. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. So what? So what have you been? So what do you talk about the documentary a little bit? Yeah, man, absolutely. It's about untold stories in stand up. So it's kind of two prong, right? One part is the human interest story, and that's the biggest part because that's always going to be the most compelling part of any story or, or piece of art is the the humanness of it. And so it's I'm following around three comedians. And getting a lot of their story of who they are mm. um, at the core of them, their life, their experience, and the background to it just happens to be stand-up. That's Got kind it. of the environment that they're in. They're all three stand-ups. And uh, the other prong, uh, as opposed to the human side, is just kind of untold, the uh, the unseen side of stand-up. Because people look at, they think of stand-up and they're like, oh yeah, you get on Netflix and you watch somebody special and that's stand-up. It's like, that's like... The tip of the iceberg. That's one sure. percent of stand-up. Yeah, all or, the rest of it. Or point one percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, the rest of it is doing shows for free and doing shows where no one shows up and it gets canceled, getting paid in hot wings, and it's Tuesday night, one thirty at a bar, and you're yelling punchlines to three drunk people who don't think you're funny at <laughs> don't all. Don't give a shit. And yeah. you're writing a hundred jokes, and ninety nine of them are bad. And yeah, like you know, all all uh, you know, you applied to a thousand festivals with the last dollars that you had, and you didn't get into any of those festivals. And then you did get into one and then you go and then uh, it's was it worth it because you spent like $100 to get in and like $500 to get there. And then there was like three shows and they yeah. there's no industry or anything. Yeah. Out of them, so like, Five minutes a show. Yeah, three yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you could have just done an open mic. That would have been the exact same experience. Like, yeah. Oh, my so, God. You dude, know, all, all that stuff. I'm or, having or, flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or just like people asking like, so like, uh, are you going to be like on Saturday Night Live? Or like people. Oh, being my like, God, man. Do you like do you like do you like being heckled? Yeah, like, uh, do you like like hecklers? Because people like comedians, or they'll like tell that, you about right. their fucking friend who's a comic, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I got a buddy yeah. who like," and then their friend does improv. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you do, you do comedy, so like, are you doing like Second, Second City? City? Yeah, you're like, <laughs> no, that's the uh, that's absolutely not what I I'm doing. It's or like, they're very, like, very different, yeah. dude, or like you understand this, especially from like the day job. It's like, oh yeah, I should. I, I've been meaning to come out to your sh- one of your shows. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you've, been, you've been telling me this for a year and a half. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally do comedy five days a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they'll be like, "Hey, you're going to uh, an open mic. I want to come see you." You're like, "No, don't do it." Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the last thing in the world you should. You do definitely don't want to come to an open mic. Yeah, yeah, an open mic. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so all those questions that the general pop is uh, no fault of their own, like doesn't know. Yeah, and so that's that's also kind of an interesting light to shine on that. But yeah, so that's what I want to do, man. I'm hoping to have you know we'll see what happens like a final cut by the end of the year or like q1 of like next year you yeah. know and um oh man the business language on yeah this podcast. Dude, yeah don't worry man. i'd like to finish that by eoy probably <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if we could finish that eoy yeah, finish yeah, by yeah. Q1. let's circle back uh you know i'm thinking by h2 we need to get this moved on to the next phase some low-hanging fruit what are our milestones what are our quick wins <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> Some quick wins, man. I'm what's the uh, what's the what's the delta between <laughs> where we're looking and where we're going? The ROI on this is just not there, so we're gonna have to cut the project. 
Oh my gosh, dude. Jesus. <laughs> How God. many other right? Just all these business terms. Yeah. Oh. These are just rooms full of people who are throwing around the same words to each other because they don't have an original bone in their body. Yeah, 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 man. I don't know, man. I can't. Yeah. What do you still you still work in the day job? Yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a day job doing uh, marketing for a company called Vat IT. It's uh, based out of South Africa. And I get to go to South Africa at the end of the year and hang out. That's awesome. Yes, that's pretty sweet. Which I, where in South Africa? Uh, they have like three offices: one in Johannesburg, one in Durban, and one in uh, Cape Town. And uh, I think I'll be in in Johannesburg for the business part of it. But then I'll I'll take some time off and just travel around South Africa, which would be cool. Yeah, but, um, be, be careful, man. <laughs> no, nah, bring it on, man. Uh, that's I. <laughs> they cannot stop me. I'm not scared in the least. Um, but then I uh, Texas. Yeah, exactly, dude. Uh, <laughs> I walk around with a ten gallon hat and cowboy boots everywhere, and just at like assume everyone's going to get out of my way. So, I. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, yeah, I do like a bunch of creative stuff for them and I, uh, work from home and, um, it's, it's not a bad gig. That sounds great. Not actually. A bad gig. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad gig. Um, so, so, so who are the three comedians you're following around in the dock? Yeah. Yeah. Luis Arevalo, um, and then Mike Robinson and Chris Atumi. So oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, those three people, uh, they were the people that I thought up on top of my head that outside of stand up, yeah. I'd make sure they're, they're all three of those people are good at stand up, obviously. Uh, but outside of that like they just have incredible stories to tell yeah overcoming certain obstacles or unique experiences or oh, yeah. points of view um and so that's why i want to like really like dig into that and see what um what their life is like and bring that story to life because those three people man they they've got some crazy they've got some crazy ass lives yeah they really do man <laughs> yeah. i mean like just being in stand-up and knowing them yeah. Like I don't really know Kristen that well, I guess, but she's—I yeah. know she's hilarious and has a lot going on. Right, like, right. Yeah. I just—I—but it's just fascinating, like especially Mike and his family and shit that's happened, and like especially shit that's happened to him recently. I've been trying to get him on this podcast for a while, and then after all that shit went down with him, I was like, Jesus, man, you gotta you gotta get on this podcast and like talk about some of this stuff. Yeah, man. That guy's on another level too in terms of his humor. Like he just—I think like that. What you know, him getting the fucking assaulted (laughs) basically what it was yeah has like caused his brain to he's just in this other place now where he's just channeling shit on stage and like i was talking to him yesterday actually uh i visited him at his apartment and was talking to him about the documentary and all this stuff but he um yeah he said something about like being more okay like with what like be more accepting of whatever happened while he was on stage yeah instead of trying to manipulate it as much which yeah. that is an interesting and he specifically said that in reference to like what happened to him so it, it was like that was an interesting side effect or outcome of that yeah like he because he's a very high energy guy and, and is a big a good stage presence moves around a lot you know whatever and uh and he said that now a lot of times he didn't take the microphone out of the stand like he'll leave it in there and just talk and then like whatever happens happens from there instead of having to like physically move around and in all of his bits and stuff like that, which was a very interesting. Like, yeah. For a long time when I first started doing stand up, I never took the mic out of the really? mic stand. Yeah. I mean like when I was a teenager, I just yeah. would stand a talk. I don't know why I was afraid to do that. Hmm. I don't know why. I don't know if I was like afraid to, there's something about it, but like now I don't ever leave it in almost. Yeah. I mean, I, I never loved it. I always just held in my right hand, but like that's, People, this is like a deep cut stand-up stuff. Like, yeah, I bet the audience is scintillated by how people hold in their microphone. But <laughs> like, I, I, that's, that's a very interesting thing because people try to do, sometimes they'll like hold it at the bottom like in their like 
thumb and, and forefinger. That and looks I, so weird and to other me. People like, yeah, or other people like literally it's it's like they they look like they have Parkinson's. They'll just like shake the mic kind of as they walk around, like yeah. shaking. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, and some people will hold it by the top of the mic. Yeah, like their hand is blocking. Like I used to do that. I uh, used to yeah, for a while for some reason I was trying to be like DMX or something and I would like <laughs> hold the top of this mic. I, I, I don't know I the other thing I can chalk it up to is either nervousness or trying to uh like portray a, a certain type of energy on stage it, it's got to be that i mean it's it's, it's, it's it, like i don't know because especially the, the the shakiness or like the hand on top or like the uh the thumb index finger at the bottom holding it like it's you know wine glass or something like that like there's very unnatural ways to hold the microphone. No one yeah. would be like, oh, this is how I always hold it because this is what the, yeah. how I normally hold it. It's like, a that's very, very strange. Yeah, or like the one – there's one where people hold it like almost like the opposite. Like like if you were holding a pen, but they do it opposite and so it's up in their hand. Yeah. So it looks very – I've seen that a couple of times recently. And <laughs> I'm like, what the You got to be trying fuck? hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what – like how – like that's going to make – that's going to really sell my stage presence. Yeah, my stage – yeah. <laughs> it's like, People know who I am now. <laughs> they uh, – look at this microphone. Look right? at I'm, me, man. How about one of those things you pick up trash I'm with? Fucking, I just hold it from there. Yeah. yeah like, I'm, uh, I'm Tyler Ross and this is how I hold the mic. No. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I've never seen Tyler hold a mic like that ever. <laughs> Tyler Ross, man. Uh, Hell yeah. So, so, dude. So, like, so, so, this is cool that you you have the doc that you're 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 banging out. Yeah, uh, this could go until the end of the year. Yeah. Um, man. How I, many? I get. I'm guessing. I, you know, like I've never done this before, so we'll see how long it takes me to get. So, why did you want to do this project? Get. Why? What? What led to you wanting to work? Get into it. Great question, and <laughs> that's a fantastic question. <laughs> I think I can't stress enough how amazing of a question that was. <laughs> like it's unbelievable. <laughs> I've got a rock solid granite boner right now because how good that question was. I'm almost there. That question, uh, no, it's uh, money. I just have a lot of money and I want to make a lot of money. I know. Uh, <laughs> I just have a lot of money that I I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> swimming in piles of cash. I was like, I've got to buy some film equipment. I. Um, <laughs> I wanted something. I wanted. Uh, I wanted something in my pocket that was easy to share with people, and had a very large scope. Sure. And wasn't so ephemeral, like yeah. a stand-up set or show or an improv set where it just kind of dissipates into the ether. Is like, if I have a twenty-minute to forty-minute or hell even I don't know hour-long documentary that I can send people a link to. Yep. And it tells this big story that scope. I want that. In my cachet yeah, of, of, of stuff on, on my list of things I've done yeah. because I think all the things that are incorporated in that, all the organization, production value, understanding how to uh, show a story, uh, even the technical aspect, the creativity behind it, um, the choices, the creative choices you make uh, to cre <clears throat> create that documentary and tell that story. Uh, it's just a great showcase of skill that I can show studios or um programs that i want to apply to or uh anybody uh, you know a director or that i want to uh that i want to impress i can show that to them and they can get an idea of like this is what this person's capable of i can see the seeds of what would make a good creative person whether that's acting producing uh, directing uh, whatever yeah you know what i mean yeah so i i wanted that in my because i've done a bunch of stage shows and i have those in my pocket and I can kind of point to that as something I've done. Did stand up for four years, you know, and played some uh, really good venues that I'm I'm proud of. But um, 
this is just another thing to add to be like, you know, look what I can do. Put me in a place where I can have a wider audience and hopefully make some money. Yeah, no, I mean, like, this makes sense to me. I did, uh, it's funny because my, when I did that whole Brendan Lemon is unbookable thing that I put together like a while ago, that was the whole concept was I was like, I just want to put together, I'm going to put together my own 30 minute comedy special. Yeah. And I can just email it to people being like, look, not only do I have 30 minutes of time, but this is what I can produce from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, uh, you and I are kindred spirits in that way in that um, we take the bull by the horns and we get stuff done on our own. You know what I mean? Like when you did like Edinburgh and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Like uh, uh, that was like a like hard work and you just being like, this is what I'm going to like go after and accomplish and it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's yeah, you and I are both. And that's pretty rare, honestly, for comics. Like, a lot of comics... <laughs> no no joke. Yeah. I, <laughs> you and I both had day jobs that we held down, like... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, I mean, and hence, we have the money to do some of the stuff we do, but, like... Uh, yeah, and that's kind of rare. Uh, a lot of stand-ups... Well, I mean, not a lot of anybody, really, but they don't have the gumption or the... the they have the work ethic. It's not... They don't lack work ethic, but they don't have uh, the vision or the moxie to like create something from nothing and put well, together that whole project. It's weird because like there's a kind of risk that goes involved with like really actually trying to be like, you know what, I'm gonna fuck. I mean, think about what you're doing in terms of this. Yeah. Like, I mean, like the same thing. I because I don't know if I talked to you about the pilot that I shot a pilot last year in Iceland. Mm-hmm. It was called Funny Planet. And it was me and Brendan Gay and this guy named Zach Tomasovic. People who listen to this podcast will be tired of hearing about it by now, but it's been a year. And, like, we got a trailer together. I got 35 hours of footage that we shot on uh, a Canon C300. We rented through borrowlenses.com and, like, we got the whole, went to Iceland, arranged interviews, did the whole production. And, like, it was all that stuff. It was that exact kind of like you were saying like moxie or something where you're like, I'm taking the bull by the horns. I'm not waiting yeah. for somebody to give me per- permission to go do this. And I'm going to put something together. So we, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. we got into the New York Television Festival off of that. We we got into MIPCOM at, in Cannes off of that uh, trailer that we put together. But the reason I say that is because there's a, like a risk. And there's like a risk. There's almost like a there's like you know people get into stand-up comedy because they want acceptance they want like a crowd to be like i love you i appreciate you your thoughts are good Mm -hmm. you're funny we give you acceptance but like you have but you can't wait for that acceptance for somebody to be like we're gonna give you a budget to do a tv show now Uh, like it just like you do have to get that if you want to get a budget from somewhere or something but it's like you just have to go fucking do it and there's a weird risk because it's like you know we could put all this time and effort into something that then just like doesn't work out at all or isn't as good as I thought it would be. And you're like betting on yourself, kind of. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's not that stand-up comics have like a bad work ethic because they tons yeah. of them grind and hustle. They all grind and hustle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and it's just that I think that there's next to that a level of like, yeah, I'm grinding and hustling. Now it's time for me to fucking place bets on myself or try to do something that I really want to put, I want to put skin in the game right. to like get this done. And there's something about that that just doesn't, a p it just doesn't i don't think it i don't think it occurs naturally to a lot of comics it's not that they wouldn't do it i just think that or that they can't or that they i just think they a lot of them don't think about it yeah that makes sense yeah like they're like you know what i'm gonna go grind and then i'm gonna get curtis the laugh factor he's gonna like me he's gonna pass me then i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep grinding and then i'm gonna get like the friday night spots and then i'm gonna like get 
comics you should know. And then I'm like, you know, maybe I'll end up moving to New York or like all this stuff. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But like along that path, why don't you just go like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to create my own show. That's going to be bigger than these other two shows. Or I'm going to put, you know, buy a camera and try to film my own web series. Or I'm going to like, it just feels like that isn't within the, naturally occurring thoughts of a lot of comedians i feel like especially in chicago i yeah i would say uh, not only that but uh i think that's a lot of um what well, people in general i guess now that i'm thinking about it kind of expanding it to all of that but there's a lot of a diyness to it all and um cuz most people they they want a type of blueprint they want somebody to tell yeah. them what to do yep and so in stand-up, that would be like going to the certain mics and then getting on the certain shows and then doing the certain festivals and then, you know, doing the certain auditions, like uh, just laughs or something like that. Uh, you know, over in like the like improv world and whatnot, people want to take like class yeah, take all class those classes, class, class after yeah. class after class, For, which isn't get, bad. That's great. But, getting uh, their conservatory program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, getting their traveling group. Right, right, right. And, but that only happens a very small amount of people and then people feel... They're not self-motivated. They kind of don't know what to do without, like, an improv teacher or whoever being like, do A, B, and C. Yeah. Like, so it's it's a more rare thing that you and I do where we just create, like, whatever it is that we're going to do. Yeah. Like, it's not like nobody tells us to do that. We just go and do it. And I could I could expand that to my, my real life, like, when traveling around Asia or getting married and bringing my wife here through all the government stuff and, like, a bunch of other shit was just, like... Nobody told me how to do that. I was like, "Fuck this it, is, this is what I'm gonna do." Yeah, I figured it out. Yeah, and I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is. <laughs> I love that tying it back into yeah. you meeting your wife. Has she? I, I, I bet and it is. It's like a greater whole, life, not even just in the artistic aspect, but yeah. just like. And I imagine there's some probably outside of comedy or other things, other things in your life where you can look at it and be like, "Yeah, that was the same type of." mindset that i had in this sector of life where nobody told me how to do this i just was like this is what i'm gonna do and i figured it out well that was exactly it's funny that you say that because that's exactly like the story about i mean i've talked about me being like yeah god was doing comedy in france and stuff but like yeah. that's kind of where that all came from is like i i had had an internship at the univer, uh, university jesus at the uh u.s embassy in paris in 2008 so, which was pretty dope. I worked at the U.S. Embassy for like six months in the summertime. Met George W. Bush when he came out there. It was really cool. That's wild. Yeah. Who's, by the way, a super nice guy. Yeah. Like, as much of a people hated him when he was president. It was like, <laughs> he just, he was like the nicest dude. Yeah. Like, when I met him, I only met him for like a few minutes. I was delivering his bicycle from Air Force One, believe it or really? not, which is pretty That's crazy. Wild. Yeah. It was totally nuts. People, people uh, just like that guy, which is like, I guess, understandable. Like, I don't agree with all of his like political you know moves or whatnot obviously but I, I don't like revile him like some like some people do some people are, like over overboard no, like, like donald I, trump is a person who's like i revile i like a revile yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like this person is a revolting person yeah but like yeah bush or other people it's like maybe i disagree with some of the political stuff but I, i'm not like oh my gosh yeah like, he's not a he monster yeah yeah, yeah he's not it's like, like <laughs> just an absolute yeah, yeah. Anathema he's, a, he's a true believer who believed he was doing good things yeah. they just weren't that good yeah. so but like yeah i mean like but you know anyway he so i was in there in 2008 but then five years later i was working at this kind of job in colorado which was a great job it just wasn't right for me and what were you had, doing in colorado i was i was the international sales manager for a container manufacturing company i don't understand what's wrong with that that sounds like my dream job <laughs> <laughs> As it locked me in a room, sixteen hours a day doing that. That's pretty much exactly. And like, I was working. I was international. Cole sales. Uh, dude, this is so yeah, Colby. It was like 
5 a.m. I would have to get up at 5 a.m. to have a call at 5:30 with the UK and and or France because I spoke I spoke better French then than I do now because it's been a while. But yeah. I would speak French. I would call these international people, cold call them, cold email them, respond to their calls, have meetings set up all day long, and then it would go until literally 10 p.m. when I would be on calls with New Zealand and Australia the next their next morning. Yeah. Um, and I was just like f- fucking done. I did that for like two years out there and, and and was not very successful at it. God. And like, yeah. And my boss, who's still a friend of mine, he's like my unofficial older brother, was just a fucking, he was like a juggernaut. He could do that all day long and loved it. He just, yeah. he'd be like, fuck so, it. Yeah. He'd get up at 5 a.m., love it. Get right on the phone. Dude. Get so- people on the phone. Like, he could negotiate. He could wake up and be on the phone negotiating within 10 minutes of him being awake. Sales and stand-up are very similar. Yeah, Like, you got to be a glutton for punishment, and the vast majority of society would be like, how could you possibly, like, enjoy doing this? Like, what's wrong with you? But for the people that it's for them, they love it, right? How could you possibly, like, going to 18 open mics a week and bombing 90% of the time and then having maybe one good show? How could you like making a hundred cold calls every day and then closing like two deals a week. But for that person who's like into it or like likes it or like it's like their thing. That's your whole thing. They're, they're, they're like, oh, I love it. Like, rush couldn't couldn't imagine any other rush way. When I, when I kill on stage, like, yeah, I, I had more power to him, I guess, if you're good at sales. You know, See, I, I feel like that's the thing that's so weird about it is I actually kind of enjoy that too. But just yeah. doing that, I mean, I did sales here in Chicago for like a really long time. and uh, And I actually enjoy it also, but there's a part of that, doing it that much at the round the clock where it's like oh this is your this is my whole life like my whole life is this yeah it's not anything else and so i decided to quit and i and i did this wild card thing where i moved to france again i just had enough money saved up and i was like i don't want to go for three months i want to go for who however long the fuck i want i went to the french embassy and got a visa to just be there for like nine months Mm. um out of out of nowhere had to get a, a whole bunch of like bank statements. Just did did this shit myself. It's like yeah. when you were talking about like there's probably things in your life that you just do. That's what I did. And I moved over there and got an apartment and started a comedy show that still goes on. And like just wanted to do it. Just wanted to do comedy in front of a different audience. And I missed Paris and like, you know, it gets into your bones and stuff. Like yeah. so I, I, I don't know, man. I guess like you and I are kind of similar in that regard is that you're just like, you know what, I'm just gonna figure this thing the fuck out yeah, in a way yeah. that I want to do it. hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. just kind of continue that way. And like I, I, you know, I guess there's a lot of ways. It's not like that. That's bet. And in a lot of ways, that's maybe worse <laughs> than a lot of other shit. Because I think about it, like I've spent so much money on these like different projects, like you know. And you're, yeah, but it was worth it though. Like yeah, the, the I don't regret it. You wouldn't take it back. I feel like would no, you? I, I wouldn't mean, regret yeah, it. Like... But you know, I mean, sometimes I feel like I wonder. It's not that I wouldn't. I would never take it back, and I wouldn't do something different. But I wonder, like, if I hadn't spent all this money on this like TV pilot that I wanted to be working on, like I got to put that money toward. I don't know anything else, you know, yeah. like I, I, I don't think about the money. I think the time. Yeah. Or just um, honestly, just like existing in the space that you and I do where it's all DIY and just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and figuring it out. I think um, the the tough thing about that is just the quality of life and like stress you put yourself under and oh like, yeah I, no like, doubt I, I always <laughs> everything i do in my life it's like i find the hardest way possible to do it yeah like i make sure that it could not possibly be any more difficult strenuous or just gut-wrenchingly like hard and i do it that way every single time that's so funny <laughs> man. it's just like it sucks but i get to do some amazing things because of it i guess but 
hot damn, do I pay the price? Like, it's, it's like def- I can, I I feel like I have some strange thing that's like kind of similar. Like it's funny because Joshua Tusania in New York now talks about uh you know Joshua yeah oh, yeah, yeah yeah I know he's in New York now yeah he's in New York now and he talks about the law of uh of of minimum minimal effort where he's like you should do whatever you're gonna do you should figure out the way to put the least amount of effort into it required just don't put any more than you need to yeah and he's like dude it's like working out for him like hand over fist he's like yeah I'm like so much shit moving around here in New York and I feel like in a weird way there's a kind of that's a kind of New York way of looking at things where you're like yeah I've just yeah, I'll just like kind of like it's not like Josh doesn't put in work. He puts in t- a bunch of work, but he's like, I don't need to put I'm not putting in any more than I need to. And things are like working out. And for yeah. me, I always feel like it's the opposite. Like I have to put in like a 100 times more work than I ever thought I needed to at the beginning. And right. then things will not work out. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but I do feel like yeah, I don't know if you feel the same. I feel like well, I'm not as talented or I'm not as X, Y, or Z, so I have to outwork people to, to get to the same thing. Yeah. Like, my 100% effort equals uh, somebody else's 70% effort. And, yeah. And to, to get to a certain level or whatever, you know, like, my younger brother, um, he's getting his PhD in rhetoric, and he's, like, super smart and talented. Yeah. I remember one time he told me on the phone, he was like, man, I'm just so jealous of you, Colby. Like, you you know, you really put your nose to the grindstone and work hard for a goal, and you just, you're such a hard worker. I was like, dude, screw that. Like, I wish I was just, like, talented, like you yeah. just skated by. Yeah, I wish I just... Well, I just was like, oh, no big deal, whatever. <laughs> I wish I, I guess could I'll... not do homework and just show up and yeah. ace the test. and that's exactly what he would do. <laughs> he's like, he wouldn't have to work it hard. It's like, grades or this or that, and he would just be like, yeah, just, you know, got into this like, real prestigious program, like, whatever, you know, like... And, like, I would have to, like, really work hard to get in, like, a mediocre program. Like, like. <laughs> well, it's funny because Adam Grant, uh, he's, like, a he's like a, he just wrote a book about um, psychology for for work, like, pe- people's, like, daily lives and stuff. I forget the name of the book. But, anyway, he was on Sam Harris's podcast, and they were talking about uh, creativity. And the interesting thing about this that I just wanted to mention was that they – it's studies are really clear that – there is no difference in efficacy between very creative people mm-hmm. and like marginally creative people. So there's people who are not creative, meaning that if they try to do something, it won't be good. End of story. Like they just don't have good ideas. They can't execute them well. They're not going to work. But for people who have good ideas and can execute them, there are two different groups of those people. There's like the Beethoven's Mozarts of those of that world. And then there's like, you know, just people who would be like, man, that guy's like the, I'm trying to think of like a mediocre composer or something like, well, I think by, by definition, they would not be famous. But yeah. Like, I guess by the, but yeah, yeah, you, I guess you mean, like there's like the high end, yeah. uh, you know, the Leonardo da Vinci's of the world. And then there's like somebody who's middle end who's like, Oh, that guy's talented. He's creative. But yeah. You wouldn't be like, Oh my gosh, this guy's a polymath. Yeah. He's amazing. But, but what's interesting is Adam Grant and has, was talking about the fact that there's a lot of research to show that there's actually no difference in the efficacy of those people. So if you sat Mozart down and you sat this unknown composer down and you had them both write something. Yeah. It was it would be equal in terms of chance between the two of them that what whatever one of them would write would be as good as the others or better. So it's like the mediocre dude could have written as good of a symphony as Beethoven if you asked them to do it just one off. But the difference is that Beethoven's volume of work is so much greater than other like people. He just creates. He just more created work. way more. Yeah, that like the 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 chance that you're gonna have gr- like amazing hits yeah. goes up if you just pr- produce more work. So like the idea basically is that you should just be producing more work. 
So yeah, it's, it's like you should uh, produce in volume. Yes, like the onion produce. writes jokes, or like how a lot of writers, like in comedy, like doing sketch writing and stuff, is like if you write one good page per ten pages, write a hundred pages. That way, you got ten good. pages. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if I totally agree with like an equal chance that they're both going to write a masterpiece, but I but the but the working in volume certainly makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That uh the the guy who 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 directed uh who created the show Easy on uh, yeah, Netflix Jeff Swanberg yeah, yeah Swanberg that's right that's his operational like his his mo is he's like yep I just gonna create as much as possible yeah, and just yeah continue to do it. makes sense man makes sense well, I mean like they say like qu- quantity is a quality all its own I really think that that's uh, true yeah. like you have to uh, that's what, like, the big it's part of the reason why I quit my day job <laughs> like recently is I was just like I don't have enough time to, to be producing the kind of for the comedy that I want to be doing I do not have the time to produce it like, yeah. and I need to really focus on that yeah oh I mean yeah I think everybody every artist feels like that yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. how do you pay rent though I mean I've got some saved up I'm gonna have to get another job eventually but <laughs> yeah right, right. Well, but, I, yeah, I mean, but yeah. for a little while and for you know I mean I've been working my ass off in this last year so I'm like yeah. I just I, I need to take a moment to chill out. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. I um yeah, I feel you on that. I uh I would love to make more and more and more and more and more stuff. Yeah, yeah. I it is like working in volume is great. I do think you can reach a critical mass where you're just churning out stuff that isn't as good and not paying as much attention to it. That's probably true. So I think I think yeah, you have to you gotta say. But I, I think there's something focused. to be said. There's something to be said for finishing your work. Oh yeah. And just working in volume. But yeah, you don't want to go past a certain threshold where you're like, well, whatever, just uh, rush this out as quickly as possible and get it out, and it's not quality. Yeah. I think there's 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 a, there's a happy medium right between those two. Yeah. Well, there's like a lot of people. I think about a lot of the people who back in high school I was friends with, and even into college, who were were people who I like respected and I thought were creative. One of the things that a lot of them had in common, though, was that they never followed through with their projects. Oh, they, yeah. They would start a ton of projects and oh, just yeah. never finish them. I had a friend tell me the difference between professionals and amateurs is professionals finish their work. <laughs> they finish their work, yeah. Like, yeah. it's, it's you know, at the... It sounds the, like the, right for a poster on a wall in yeah, an office. Yeah, the, the sketch is not done uh, 100%. It, we don't have a great outline, but I'm thinking of one up right now because I got a deadline in five minutes and that will be the outline now. But get it out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. At some point you got to just, yeah, put it out there, whatever. So what was, so I'm curious, like what, so after, so after we were like, we met in the comedy scene and I, I was, I, you know, I was always, always been a fan of yours. I always thought you oh, were thank you, really man. funny. Thank you, dude. And, um, I was wondering, like, so you disappeared for a while and we're getting into sketch and all the stage stuff. Like, what were some of the things that you were trying to, like, why did you decide to move in that direction or like, what, what were you trying to yeah. work out or explore? I, um, my best friend, um, his name is Matt Gold. He lives in LA now. Um, he did the Harold Ramos Film School here in Second City, and he's from Chicago. We actually met in Japan the first time wow. I got there. Uh, he was my roommate for job training uh, when I lived there. And uh, did you do any comedy in Japan? No, no, no. I didn't do any comedy. Uh, I had some opportunities too, but I was like, I don't want to. I'm gonna like focus on being in Japan and doing Japanese things and blah blah blah. Yeah, makes sense. I, I'll 100 jump into it when I get back to the states, but. Um, I uh, he asked me to be in a in a Chicago sketch fest, and so I said yes, and then uh, just had a lot of fun. The, the, the communal aspect, 
and the team aspect of doing it together was yeah like, like way better than comedy uh, uh, <laughs> way better than stand up uh, uh, i mean a billion times better than stand up yeah because <laughs> people ask me like which one's better and it's just pros and cons you're like dude i mean yeah hands <laughs> hands down stand up is worse for all <laughs> yeah, this like, shit. Like, yeah like, there's no question uh because but the thing is is like in between having a great sketch show and then having a great comedy set and like killing on stage by yourself Hands down, that uh, the stand-up killing by yourself is better. Yeah, it that, feels that, better. That, that, there's no better feeling than killing on stage by yourself stand-up. That's the best, right? Um, the process of sketch and being on a team versus stand-up, uh, uh, a million times better than sketch. Like, you're like making jokes <laughs> with people and hanging out, and you have like friends and stuff, rather than just like sitting at a bar in silence. With your notebook. Sp- with your notebook scribbling down your 89th joke that sucks yeah. you know, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's there's no quite, and then doing like open mic after open mic and running around and you know spending a thousand dollars a week on like drinks and whatever else because you're at all these bars doing the open mics and oh my doing god, shows. that's so, so true. So I mean, like you know, like the the nothing beats killing by yourself on stage in stand up, but the process of like creating something as a team, whether you're writing a pilot or doing a sketch show or uh, creating a narrative show or doing improv, that's a lot more fun, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just. Uh, when I before I got started in, in in comedy, period, I always imagined that I would be more of like a, you know, sketch improv like actor type of person. Yeah, I, I thought my skills lend themselves to that. Well, you have so much energy. You have like a lot of stage presence. You have like yeah, a lot yeah, of energy. Yeah, yeah. You're very like in your body when you move around. Yeah, yeah like yeah. you also have. You're also the kind of lanky yeah, type yeah, yeah. dude where you like have limbs. Yeah, that yeah. Oh, people just, yeah. Sense. Like I, you fold my body up like a lawn chair. I'm just like flying around <laughs> all over the place, and they like it's uh like Gumby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gumby. Yeah, I get the Gumby a lot. Dude. That's what my dad says. Um, but I uh. Yeah, I um, so I always thought I would do that, but when I started doing comedy, I didn't have any money, so I had to do stand up. Yeah, that's what led me to doing stand up. Was like you just do it for free all the time. Yeah, you just go up and do, you know, a show. Or you do an own mic, and that's all you need is yourself. Yeah, you, you can't don't have to take you, classes. Yeah, you, you can't do improv anything, because like, you can't go fucking. How do you? I, I don't uh, know. I, it's weird because like I when I first started doing improv, I did it in high school with a high school group that we formed right. the, my freshman year. It didn't exist. I was at the first meeting. You know what yeah. I mean. And then all the people who in the Metro Detroit, um, not all of them, but a lot of them in the Metro Detroit area came out of that group. And like, so mm. we formed our own different improv groups, like, and I never went to his improv school. Like I never right. had improv classes. I never like took them. I just. So you guys were just like, we don't know what improv is or how to do it. We're just going to do it. Well, our, we had an art teacher who was taking classes at Second City. And so he decided to create this improv club in high school. And I think it was like, as for him, I think it was like a, he could continue to do improv right. basically and not, you know, and, and, and so many kids were interested in this because whose line is in any way was super popular. Oh yeah. And so like he would, we would get together in the, you know, the, the <laughs> Du Bois little theater in Canton high school and on Mondays and do, you know, a couple of hours of like improv after school. And we just, you know, like a lot of it would be like, like improv exercise, like care, like working on character stuff, being in your body. Like when you're on stage, you commit to a character, but you kind of like feel it out. You like, we practice yes and all the stuff that people do at IO and annoyance and second city and all that shit. Mm -hmm. But we did it. I did it for four years and I ended up getting on this house team that we had and we would do a show a month and we'd have three practices a week. And so I did that for like four years of being in high school. And two years into it, I started doing stand-up. So it was, like, nuts because, like, we had this – a lot of kids who were in this program. And then they went on to do Go Comedy and Improv Inferno and 
um, the second city that used to be in Detroit and like all this, they would go on to these places and then they'd come out here and like, mm -hmm. it was just interesting. It was a whole crop of people that that, so my experience, I'd never been on and I've never had to take a class. I literally don't know how somebody would form a, an improv team around here. Like aside from going to second city and taking a class and meeting those people, mm -hmm. like, I don't know how it would get done. And I don't know how you would get shows. You'd have to be going to one of those schools in order to do that. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I've been in that world a little bit, so I could shed some light on that. But, yeah, I mean, most people take classes at one of any one of the billion theaters around here. They meet people there, and then they form an indie team. Yeah. And then just like a stand-up show, they'll just do a bunch of independent shows. But, like, like who, I'm on a show in, like, Finley Dunn's, like... Uh, in the back? Yeah. That's so weird. There's something about... Because, like, I've done a little bit of that with, like, the improv team that we formed in Detroit. Like, yeah. I was on this team after I graduated from high school called the Celtic Soul Brothers, and it was a, just a group of dudes who... Uh, same thing. We just wanted to continue doing improv, mm -hmm. but like we would do it at like venues that were like like improv inferno and go comedy and like a, a couple an of actual other... stage, not, yeah. an, not an indie show in the back of of a movie theater no. or uh, whatever. No, and that feels so weird to me to like that there's gonna be a, there's gonna be an improv show like in a location that is just like because for stand up it somehow makes more sense to me where it's like I've got a PA system and I have a microphone and a you know, mic stand and somebody gets up and now it's a stand up show. But like for improv, it just feels like we're just in the back of a bar and these four idiots are just, you know, high fiving each other and f tagging each other out in a game of freeze or something. Like it just feels like we're in somebody's basement, like playing make believe versus like an actual show, which is this person is presenting something, you know, to, to, a, to an audience. It doesn't make any sense to me. They are literally the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't disagree more. Like it's still just a bunch of amateur ass motherfuckers in the back of a bar, doing like like being like, "This is now my stage." Of like either whether you're telling jokes into one one person into a microphone, or you're like, "Got home from the store today, sweetie," and you're an improv. Like I feel like it's the exact same thing. It's still just like a show, and you know, you're you you're just doing it. I like yeah yeah. I mean, in some ways, it could make more sense that it, it's. Uh, improv because improv you're, you're usually not like mic'd up so it's like it could be even more conducive to improv i feel like but i mean to me yeah, it just seems the same thing but it's just another space that people are diy in it and put it together and here we go like one of the weirdest improv shows i ever did was i was when i was living in boulder colorado they were hired i was with the boulder improv collaborative and we were hired by the boulder historical society so this was celebrating i don't know why the this was a whole this is like boulders full of like rich people who have like really don't know what to do with their money like actually like like the joke you were saying earlier but like they really don't know what to do yeah so they at the boulder historical society decided to do a uh celebration dinner party for the 100th anniversary of the uh sinking of the titanic that was going on back then so that was 2012 yeah and everybody had to everybody the whole dinner party got to dress up they like played a character of someone who was on the titanic right was anybody billy zane <laughs> that's who i would have been i would have been billy zane <laughs> <So dope. laughs> oh my god he put put a gun in his mouth when the stock market turned what is that line at the end of the movie and you're like ah oh, <laughs> oh yeah he's so much worse than that yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't. So that's funny you say that though, because we ended the. So, so let me just finish the whole story here. So, the the whole g bit was though that we all dressed up like characters, and we were in character from someone who's on the Titanic. So I played a guy named 
John Die Dyer, who was a uh, Welsh boxer who went down with the Titanic. And so the Boulder Improv Collaborative were hired to like entertain people by being characters of this party. And then we were going to do an improv show at the end of it. And so the improv thing that we were going to do was just this goofy improv. We're on the Titanic. It's going down. We kind of worked out this game. But it was so weird because it was like there was this dinner party and now we're going to do this like improv show. And the whole time I was on stage and like we're doing this and we're getting laughs and stuff. I just felt like this is the weirdest. Like this doesn't feel like a show to me. It just feels like we're just a bunch of people in this room. (laughs) Yeah. Who are and we happen to be playing this goofy make-believe game over here. That everybody else is just watching. I like. I had a very similar experience. I was in uh, Santa Clarita, California, a little bit north of LA, doing a show at like a sports bar, and it was like the first time. It was like the inaugural show they wanted to try out there. And it was, nice like, a sports bar and a sport improv. It was an improv no, no, show. No, this is stand up. Oh, got it. And so uh, I walked in, and this it was just truly like a sports place because they had like twenty giant screens like around. Oh like, yeah. the game going on. <laughs> God damn. And, uh, you know, we got a wireless mic. You know, PA system probably and, buzzing, and buzzing they, wireless mic. I and yeah, and they um, they're like, all right, we're starting a show, and um, there's a sparsely populated like uh, restaurant, and no TVs going off. <laughs> oh so no! It's just me standing on stage telling some jokes. I ended up walking around with the wireless mic to different tables telling jokes, just like <laughs> oh. like, like a traveling yeah, comedian. comedian. <laughs> But like, it's interesting because I had this thought as you were telling your story about doing the the like dinner theater thing you guys were doing. It's like uh, improv and stand up both are simultaneously the most important, impactful, interesting, cool, uh, essential part of life thing ever, and simultaneously the dumbest shit anyone has ever done. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so, the stupidest, it's most so useless, true, futile. Why would you ever waste your time either telling jokes? Or doing an improv set. Why would anyone ever do that? That's the dumbest thing. You're a piece of fucking shit. Like, and at the same time, this is it's all awesome. changing. This is the yeah, most it's amazing, the coolest thing ever. You should never do anything but this. That's so funny, man. <laughs> at the same time, I, I for the longest time too, I was like the kind of guy who would just talk about like how great. Like, I'm like, yeah, man, you just get in this liminal space. You're just a conduit to creativity <laughs> when you're on stage in an improv. It's like you don't even like if you're doing improv correctly, you don't even have thoughts that occur. You know, slowly enough for you to even remember them in your short-term memory. Like you're just one with the universe at that point. I uh, do. I've like, had. I mean, like I was having improv. I was at a point when doing enough improv where, like, I would get on stage and then I would get off stage. And I remember people would be laughing when I got off stage, but I would have no memory of what I did on stage because thoughts were occurring so quickly. You just blacked out, and I blacked out while I was doing it. And like that shit was working, and I would have to go watch a videotape later of like what we did to be like, oh shit, that's right, like. And I was totally had drank the Kool Aid. I was like yeah. read Viola Spolin's book. I read Truth and Comedy. Yeah, I like yeah, yeah, yeah. all that shit. <laughs> that yeah, uh, improv. Yeah, like man, that's. Uh, I've been thinking about taking classes again. You should. Lately. It's fun. It's great, and you'll meet some really talented, fun people, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just I, feel I, like it's so weird because I'm gonna have to go in and be like, yeah, I need to start out at level A again. <laughs> like, uh, everybody does. I mean, you got to start like level one. I mean, but like. That's fine. I mean, because there's other people coming from other cities who have done it for five years yeah. and are good and had like we're on like their college team, or whatever, and they're really good. But they're also starting at level, level one. Yeah. So I mean, you'll get a mix of people who like have never done it before and they just start out, and you get a, and then you also get people who are like really, really good. So yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you'll be fine. But yeah, like um, some people do drink that Kool Aid like hard, man. Like the improv, <laughs> like yeah, like this is it's very cult like. Like you've seen the BoJack Horseman. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's very spot on. Of yeah, like. Yeah, people are wild with that stuff. But I did I, for a long time. I was, and then I kind of like 
I think I fell. I did a ton of it when I was in Colorado and I was doing stand up again. And then I kind of fell out of it. And I was on a house team in Colorado that uh, still exists called uh, Carnival Code, which was a team for the Voodoo Improv in, in uh, Denver. And that team was great. I had a great time. It was super fun to do. But there was something about it where, like, after I it just when I left that place, there was something that really clicked me. Where I was like, man, I just kind of hate most improvisers. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I like that's both those are comedy art forms, but they also could not be more different, different, yeah. diametrically opposed. And yeah. like, it's very interesting the type of personality that's drawn to one and the other. Yeah. Because a lot of times they're just so night and day different. It, it, it is interesting. And I, I have, there's pros and cons and things I like and don't like about both communities, I guess. Sure. Which is interesting and, and, and a little bit strange. But yeah, I totally understand people being like, I'm just like going to throw up if I have to talk to one more person. I just, a I, third beat or expanding, like, I'm going to crow hop and punch somebody right in the face as hard as I can <laughs> if they uh, talk about like tagging out and doing a, you know, like at the same time, I feel like at the same time, I'm like, if I go to another open mic and some guy is telling me about like a show he did in Hammond, Indiana, or if he like, <laughs> if I hear one more person get up and complain about how like shitty life is and everything and or how, how like or how oh. cynical they are and everybody's just a misanthrope yeah. and everybody's got to be more smug than the next guy. Oh, yeah. Stand up. I'm going to crow hop and just not punch him right in the fucking mouth. Oh, know? yeah, like, dude. There's like a, there's a whole there's a whole trend of these kinds of things where it's like. You know, ma- like white male comics talking about how it's it's impossible to get booked as a white male comic now and all this shit. And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. That's like- true. Don't joke about that. <laughs> Don't joke about something that's so unfunny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's definitely a – it's just something about a lot of that kind of – there's such a trope of like this kind of – like all the Chicago stand-ups complain about the same things. They're like – but, I mean, stand-up, stand-up, stand-up in general, I mean, when we were L.A., New York, wherever, like, yeah, yeah that, that, I mean, that's just the kind of MO is, like, yeah. misanthrope, like, oh, man, and, and everything suck, and, like, that that was one reason why, like, I had to, like, I think, get out of stand-up a little bit, I was, like, because I was doing sets and doing stuff where I was, like, looking back, I realized that I was, like, I had this edge on me, like, I'm up, I'm, I'm up here, and I'm upset, just like all the other guys, and then I think to myself, like, I'm not, I'm not angry about any of this, like, I don't care, yeah, like, I'm not, really like why am i like talking like i'm really upset about subject a b or c like yeah. I, I don't i'm it's, not that's like that's, the, not that's a natural not. reactive stand-up like yeah persona. like we well, just it, it, i mean by think, osmosis it kind of yeah. gets in you and you're like yeah i'm 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 cynical too man this whole world's going to hell in a handbasket and then you're like i don't that's not how like i feel like, like you think like uh not uh who's the guy pete uh holmes yeah pete holmes like he's he's totally like his the, th- the first set that he did on Conan that, like, really blew up was him talking about how awesome magic is. And he was, <laughs> like, like, he's just, like, every... And Conan, like, talked to him after the show, and he was, like, a hundred stand-up comics could have written jokes about magic magicians and magic shows, and 99 of them would have been how shitty magic yeah, oh, is. Yeah, a billion percent. That would have been, like, you know what's dumb? Magic. Yeah, if something for one guy to come on and be like, magic is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this yeah, guy. It's great. It's yeah. great. This and guy's trying to entertain you. Yeah, like, yeah, and he's he's a he's a guy that um like Jim Gaffigan is other guy that comes to mind that isn't like so doom and gloom all the time. And well, even Louis C.K. like in his famous it, the bits that started making him famous were the ones where he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, did you fly through the sky like a miracle?" Yeah, like yeah, 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 the whole point of that bit bit is like flying's amazing. Yeah, and how nobody, could you possibly? Yeah. how dare you be upset about the Wi-Fi? Yeah, it's weird because it's like. Through, yeah. 
Th- yeah. Those are different takes on that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. That's interesting, but yeah. but the thing that like ruined, I think, in Chicago, my opinion of improvisers. I went to a hundred proof at uh, comedy sports, like yeah. probably not long. Ago. Actually, it's where I met Mike Mike Robinson. As I think we were waiting in line to get into hundred proof. And anyway, there was they just finished an improv show, and there were two guys, and they were standing facing each other, and each one was holding a drink in his left hand, and his right hand was on the left shoulder of the guy he was facing. So they created this little, like, box. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were each staring into each other's eyes. And one guy said, you know, man, you were really funny up there. And the other guy said, thanks, man. I like being funny. And that's, like, <laughs> all that. And I was like, fuck every improviser in this city. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I feel like that reaction is a very stand-up-y reaction of, like, how dare you be supportive of each other and be happy about your performance? <laughs> Fuck this. Yeah, right. You should get off stage. You'd be like, you all suck. I suck. And everything sucks. See you later. Like, that should be your only reaction in improv. And, like, it, yeah, once again, it's, like, completely the opposite. Like, you could do the worst improv set ever, and you'd get off, and people would be like, that was awesome. That was great, great man. Great job. Yeah, you were working, <laughs> like, yeah, you're working really good. I need, I need a happy medium. I need yeah. a happy medium. Like I need there, something in the, in the so middle. But, yeah. dude, Colby, that's so true. We used to do this thing in Boulder Improv Collaborative where before we went on stage, everybody would pat each other on the back, and they'd be like, I got your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and a I'd very, be like, yeah, and I'm like, fuck, fuck you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did that last night. I had a show last night, a sketch improv show. And we did the I got your back thing. I I just there's something about yeah, that. I, it just feels so not cheesy. Yeah, and, like, and not un, real. Not and real. Like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I, that 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 it doesn't bother me that much, but I do understand being like I didn't think that bothers me more is like coaches or teachers being like a scene gets done and they're like, okay, that was like so much fun. I really love your choices to be and it's like everybody realizes there that was a terrible scene. Like it was total garbage. <laughs> Nothing about it was funny. Nothing about it was believable. It was a garbage fire. And but like they just won't say that no matter what. Yeah, because so so it didn't supportive. matter if it was Tina Fey and Rachel Trash doing a scene, or it was two cats on a stage doing a scene. They would have been like had the same reaction. Like, yeah. That was incredible. I love the art, and that was so much fun. And it's like no, it wasn't. That was not fun. It was stupid and dumb, and I hated it. You know what I mean? But the, but. And you don't have to say it like that, but like you could be like the 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 the, the, the um just like the the, the, the fakeness yeah of the it all false being like there's not yeah. no the like, false positivity yeah the false positivity is that that does get on my nerves a little bit sometimes I need I don't need you to be like hey that's garbage but just something in the middle of like all right that was good uh, here and here but like we need to fix like A B and C you know yeah I mean? let's 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 do some games that bring us out of our you know get into good habits there or something or right, whatever right right I did a scene in a class a little while ago um, and it was a scene where I walked on and did something and I just just absolutely just destroyed the scene it was horrible like like it was something good was going on then I came in and just like took a sledgehammer to it yeah and then the teacher asked which after, is really my experience of you in any situation <laughs> yeah, oh no 100 <laughs> percent. if there's a good stand-up show i'm gonna bomb hard and bring the audience way down all right you just have so much energy the number i've only seen you bomb a couple of times ever actually but you have so much energy that you bring to every one of your sets that it's almost <laughs> like the audience is like you're like you're bombing and it's not working and you're still going but like 100 percent yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just turning it up to eleven. If I'm bombing, I'm gonna be bombing hard. All yeah, right. I yeah. only I only know one speed, and that's all out. All yeah. right. There's only. Um, oh, that's but so yeah, good. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, but yeah, I got done with this scene. I killed. I just destroyed the scene. Not good. Destroyed. And the teacher was like, "All right, that was like so fun. That was great. Um, you know, that was so much fun." 
And I was like almost like stopped class back. Like, no, what are you talking about? It was not like I did not do a good job. It did not pan out. Don't just say that it went, it went well, well when it I, didn't. I, we both know it didn't go well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where were you? Were you, are you going to Second City? Is that where you're at? No, no, no. I've, I've never taken a class at Second City other than like two writing classes. I, uh, I'm at CSC. Oh, CSC's great. CSC's great. Everybody yeah. there has a certain acumen because they've done either all of IO or all of uh, Annoyance. Yeah. So you, you start off level one there without somebody starting a scene being like, how about big old tits, right? Or so, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like everyone there has like they kind of know what they're doing. So yeah, you can skip a lot of the bullshit. That's nice. You know, yeah, like you don't have to play like Zip Zap Zop or something. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> the game's fun. <laughs> <laughs> you like Zip Zap Zop, but you were like so disgusted about people being like, "Got your back, really?" Yeah, that's, I know. that's, that's weird. That's I know weird. it's so weird, right? I just I think I mean like I did comedy for or improv for like fourteen years, and like rhyming games I love. Like there's a whole lot of games I actually really enjoy. Yeah, no, 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 to get no, you no, out no. of your head and stuff. But yeah, like, I love warm ups. I, I hate not having a warm up. When I was playing basketball in my life growing up, like, if I didn't have a warm up, I was, that was gonna be a problem. Oh, the yeah. same thing in improv. Like some people like scoff it at, at warming up or don't want to. Like I I need that to like get in my head in a certain space where I could really lock in. See, that's stuff. actually that's interesting because I in stand up try to not have a warm up. I try to get on stage and just be like. As natural as possible. Yeah, just like, get up and go. I see. I could see that being yeah beneficial for people. I I like it, but for improv for the longest time when I first started doing stand up and for for years into it, I had to do, uh, like we used to do this thing. We used to do eights, like you know eights, like shaking out like each right, one eight times yeah. and then seven and then six and then five and then it gets your energy like really high really quickly. Right. And then we would do this Mookie Young meditation that like why my imp- original improv teacher a guy named Jordan C. Brun back in high school had us all do we do eights and then immediately go into this meditation because you'd be like you get this energy really high then you like contain it and sublimate it and then you're this like no mind so you have a lot of energy but there's nothing in your head so when you get on stage it's just like ready you're ready to stream of consciousness like just anything comes out um which was trying that that's just that sounds interesting it was great for improv but like i would get up on try to you know but the problem was like with stand-up you got like jokes you're trying to remember and like Sometimes the word choicing is extremely important with how those jokes go. Like, you know, not all, always, not every joke, but like some jokes, it's extremely important that you deliver these exact words in exactly this way. That's how the joke works. And so we would do that for stand up, and then I'd be like way too like hyped up trying to remember all of my exact like ways that I needed to do my jokes and yeah. stuff. Interesting. So it was just, and then now I kind of just, I just want to get up on stage and just go and I kind of just get into it like from the jump. Yeah. So I mean, it's just a different thing, I guess, but yeah. Anyway, man, uh, we're at an hour, dude. Um, I, I, it was good to have you on. I'm glad oh, we were able to do this. I had a blast, man. Thank you so much. It's fun time, right? Dude, it was a great time. It was a great time. <laughs> we're staying present. We were locking in, talking about improv, talking about stand-up and just <laughs> projects projects going on <laughs> listen america i need you guys to get on this documentary train man i don't even have it's an untitled project but you guys are gonna love it and then go see brendan lemon's pilot that he shot in iceland to open a nationwide tomorrow <laughs> at 8 a.m actually on a sunday that's true. So you can't make it to church. Make sure you go out and see Brendan Lemons from me. We're actually getting distribution through a lot of churches. <laughs> so, <laughs> that makes sense. That uh, makes sense. All right. So, Colby Kennedy, where can people follow you, man? Man, uh, to the grocery store, Costco. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> dude, I, I don't do a whole lot of social media for uh, mental health reasons, but that's another reason Which why. Which is smart, actually. I, I mean, like, 
because uh, that's a great question. Hey, where can you follow me? I don't write a whole lot of jokes online. I'm going to get a website going up, but I want to have something to put on the website, and that's part of it is when this doc's on. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to have trailers there. I'm going to have the full thing. Sure. All that other stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we'll have you back when the doc yeah. goes off. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, uh, we, can get, we can direct everyone there then. Right, right. I want a cache of things for people to consume before I put stuff out. And I don't write jokes on, on like Twitter or anything, which I probably should do. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... In, in in the world is yeah. where they is where they can, they can <laughs> check out me Goldie Kennedy in ready. Chicago at CIC I yeah, guess yeah yeah all right man meanwhile the madness continues.